Hello and welcome to the Collecting Heroes podcast. I'm your host JD, the collector of collectors, and this is the place where I interview pop culture collectors from around the world. Today, I'm going out into space and into the future, into the Haloverse, with my next collector. His name is Tom. He's from Nebraska. And yes, he is a Halo collector. Tom, thank you for being on the show. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I was trying to come up with, uh, I usually ha have like a little clever sort of segue. And I'm not as familiar with Halo, so it's sometimes harder to come up with these segues. But I, I am familiar with the TV show. I've, I've watched the TV show. I really loved that. Um, we can talk about that later. Um, but the game, I know, is huge. And when I was actually doing some research prior to the episode as well, to find out a little bit more, I realized that we've actually passed 20 years since the original version came out. It's 2001, actually, was the first, um, first version of Halo. Uh, are you someone who's been there from the beginning? Would you call yourself OG or did you come in later? Where did your love of Halo come from? I've actually been here since the start. Yeah, when uh, it is it is hard to believe Halo's been around for more than 20 years now. My dad was actually in the Air Force for quite some time. And when Halo first came out in 2001, we were actually stationed at uh, Osan Air Force Base in South Korea. And up till that point, I was a Nintendo kid. So I grew up with Mario Brothers, Donkey Kong Country, um, Yoshi's Island, all those those great games. And uh, the very first time I ever played Halo was on an original Xbox kiosk that the base bx it's the like military equivalent to like a walmart um they just set up the kiosk and had the demo going and never heard of it just started playing and i just i was hooked like instantly and just every day after school i would go down and play for 15 20 minutes until i could actually afford to get an xbox myself i just it was so much fun i remember back in the day uh they don't do it as often now in in a lot of stores but i remember when it used to be commonplace that you would walk in to a game store or other places and they would have like kiosks set up where you could play certain the, the newest games or the newest consoles that come out i remember doing that i i remember when i was a child going and playing in a speaking of nintendo uh dr mario competition <laughs> that they oh. had. Yeah. if you if you if you're familiar with that at all there's an old nes game and it was kind of like tetris but with pills uh, yeah, I remember going in and playing on the kiosks and they had a competition where you could win stuff and I ended up winning a t-shirt in, in that. So when you when you did finally get your first Xbox, what was the experience like when you when you brought it home and you started playing in the game? The experience was it was memorable. You know, I actually didn't spend much time on the campaign. I, at that time I was used to going to the youth center after school to hang out with friends, play some games, because my parents were usually still working. And uh, when I got an Xbox, I was the first one amongst my friends to get one. So I told them, you know, if anybody can go and pick up an Xbox controller, we can play this game called Halo. And it quickly went from us playing GoldenEye and Super Smash Brothers on a daily basis to playing Halo. And it was four person split screen and it just, we we just couldn't get enough of it. I mean, you you had to like pry us off that console either when it was time to go home or or the youth center was closing down for the day. Just we we couldn't get enough of it. Nice, nice. I actually remember playing Goldeneye going back to the Nintendo as well because I've I've been mostly a Nintendo kid myself. I remember playing Goldeneye. I've always been horrible at first person shooter games, and it's not not something I've ever <laughs> been very skilled at. Would you say it's something that you off the bat felt like an affinity to and, and, and found yourself really good at or you've grown as as a player over the years? 
Uh, I would say, you know, starting off, I definitely stood out for my friends. Um, it was one of those things where it was like I almost had to play with a handicap in order for anybody else to play because it just it was <laughs> getting to be it was a little unfair. But, um, you know, it, it's something that just, yeah, I just kind of picked up and, and just was naturally skilled at for the longest time. Nowadays, it's like I couldn't compete to save my life. But uh, back then it was uh, it was a different story. And you said that you come from a military family. Have you? Did you serve yourself as well? Do you have military background yourself? I do not know. I'm a military brat. My uh, my father served in the Air Force for for 27 years, and he served in uh, uh, what was it? Iraqi Freedom and, and Desert Storm. So he's been deployed more than a few times. And yeah, I just never never really caught that that military bug, I guess. So my my father served. I did not. Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. I mean, but it sounds like you've done a lot of tours yourself online. Yeah, you can say that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when would you say the collecting happened? Because you're listed as, you know, on your page, one of the world's largest Halo collectors. So two questions. First, do you have a rough idea of how many items you have in your collection? Uh, and secondly, yeah, when, when did you realise that, this was something that you were collecting and more than just a, a game. So the yeah. being one of the world's biggest Halo collectors, it's kind of just a, a title I've given myself. Um, the reason for that is because I actually have nine life-size Halo statues in the collection, five of which are wow. of Halo Reach's Noble team. Um, the statues were given out in 2011 by GameStop, Taco Bell, and a few other places as a sweepstakes for halo fest which was a big convention going on up in seattle in 2011 to celebrate the 10-year anniversary of halo um so it took me seven years to track down all five statues and to the best of my knowledge there's only two complete sets in the world i have one and the other one sits at uh microsoft headquarters up in seattle even 343 industries they've got a few of the statues but they auctioned a couple of them off uh, just before COVID for charity. So not even 343 has got a full set right now. As for when I started actually collecting Halo, I guess you could say it really picked up in 2009 when I realized McFarlane was going crazy with tons and tons of different Halo action figures. And it wasn't just your stereotypical like Master Chief and, and various Spartans. There were elites, there were flood characters, there were vehicles, there was tons of stuff. And uh, when I realized that, it just kind of a slippery slope, and it went from I'm going to get one action figure, and then a year later it was like I had more than 100, and it's like, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's something I very much enjoy, though. It's, it's that thrill of the hunt, which is kind of hard to find nowadays because, I mean, you got to buy just about anything online. But um, that thrill of the hunt as a, as a collector never gets old. And how was that hunt? Oh, you mentioned seven years it took you to get that set of those life-size statues. Mm -hmm. um, what was the hardest one of those statues to acquire? Woof. Uh, the hardest one was the last one, and it was June. The countless hours that I spent going through YouTube comments, old photographs, forums, reaching out to people, phone numbers, emails, Xbox gamer tags, anything that might lead me to you know, somebody who's got information on one of them. Um, before I finally found June, he, I guess the person who owned him before me actually reached out because he didn't know that um, he had such an amazing piece. I had leads on two other pieces, but the two people that had them, one was broken and the owner did not want to let go of it. And the other one was, I'll let it go, but it has to be at a price I'm, I'm willing to 
to accept. And it was one of those, I think uh, this person was asking for like $40,000. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's way too much. Like it's a, it's a new car. <laughs> oh man. That's yeah. It's, um, they, you know, it doesn't matter how rare a collectible is or, or what somebody values it at. It's whatever a collector is willing to pay. Uh -huh. And that yeah. so far out of my price range. Oh, definitely. I mean, you talk about, uh, grail items, obviously, you know, if that's a grail item for you, might mean that you're able to pay more but i mean if you don't have that sort of money then it, it it's it's essentially worthless to you um because, because as you said it's only worth as much as someone's willing to pay for it and exactly. what about what about shipping for something like that uh you know when you're getting those things is it something that where the shipping cost as much as the piece in some cases or or did you literally like travel and drive to places to, to pick these up the shipping is was something that was almost as expensive as the statues themselves yeah. um there's a specific company excited to, to shop around and find somebody that you know knew and and understood how rare and how delicate this piece was and i finally found a company called navis pack and ship they're located all over the world they did phenomenal phenomenal work on each one of the statues but yeah we're um the most expensive one if memory serves me right i think was george between just the size, the sheer size. I mean, he's almost nine feet tall. And then the chain gun that he's got as well. It's just, it is an absolutely massive piece. Wow. Um, on that was close to $6,000, but you know, it's, it's one of those things like when it's that rare and you're, you're really wanting to add it to the collection, you can't cut corners with something like that. Cause if you do, it's going to come back and bite you in the ass, pardon my French. And um, it just, I've seen some some other collectors do that with the the more common life size like Master Chief statue from Halo mm -hmm. Two, and it just it's heartbreaking. It's just you got to be willing to to, to ship out, I guess. Excuse me, shell out just as much for shipping um, as the statue itself. Just be prepared. Yeah, yeah, you obviously got to factor that in when when you're purchasing something like that. I can see the Master Chief in the background, um, and he's quite impressive. Yeah. How do you go about displaying something like that? You're talking about a nine foot piece where would you store that how do you display uh that many items or, or those types of items so the Halo statues right now are actually at a business venue that uh, my family owns so i'm hoping to find the space to actually get them in the house here uh, we've been in this house for about a year or so now my wife and i and uh don't exactly have the space for it just yet and as for the rest of the collection it's it's a process um little bits and pieces here and there and, and trying to get some actual display units and everything to properly display like the sideshow statues and some of the more valuable pieces but um bit by bit it's it's coming together because uh, i would say like i've had quite a number of collectors now on the show uh from all around collecting all types of different places and, and regardless you, you see people with huge collections but to see someone with a huge collectible piece like that nine foot that i think you definitely take the cake at this point um for the for the largest collectible in the collection for sure yeah and would you say so you say like you're other than yourself and i think it was uh you said microsoft headquarters as well is the only mm -hmm. place you know where they've got if if someone was to try and get together a whole other set how many full sets would you say that there might be out there just based on your knowledge because i you mentioned some of these are now broken and and yeah um when they first raffled them off i believe there was a total of seven complete sets and we're talking just the five spartans a lot of people that if anybody's listening 
um, that knows that, okay, well, where's the six? Because there's Noble Six. That's the character that we play as in, in Halo Reach. They never made a Noble Six statue, so it was just of the other five Noble Team Spartans there. But um, <laughs> to the best of my knowledge, I think there's got to be at least three or four complete sets floating around, at least. I've got one. Microsoft's got one. But, um, yeah, there is, unfortunately, a few of them that I know got destroyed or tossed out, which is just absolutely heartbreaking. I, I remember reaching out uh, to one contact I had. There was a Best Buy Best Buy store somewhere here in the U.S. I can't remember where. that actually had it on display for a number of years. And, unfortunately, some child that was not being watched by their parents decided to climb up on said oh. statue the ground and unfortunately broke it into several pieces and it just Jeez. they it unsalvageable and ended up tossing it out it was like oh you gotta be kidding me so yeah, it's heartbreaking. Um, <laughs> it really is what about the game itself so obviously you've got the the large pieces you've got the collectible figures etc what about the games themselves do you collect different versions of the games as well like the different covers for different regions like say a french version or something like that or do they tend to be a lot of the same packaging around the world uh, they tend to be a lot of the same packaging i have quite a few duplicates um i do have a few variants from other countries and some pre-order bonuses little little variants here and there but um for the most part not really um one of my passions for most of my life has been hosting land parties and in tournaments like going back to um, when I mentioned we lived in South Korea, I was actually using my allowance money at the time to buy Pokemon cards to use as prizes for like Pokemon Stadium tournaments, Mario Kart, Super Smash Brothers, and things like that. Cool. Um, when I got out of high school, I started to host LAN parties and actually made a business of it where we were hosting events almost every weekend, um, which meant I needed more copies of Halo. So uh, between Halo CE, the first one, and Halo 2, I legitimate, legitimately probably have close to about 50 or 60 copies of each one just because with all the Xboxes we have collecting dust downstairs now, um, <laughs> we just need to make sure we had backup copies for, for tournaments and events just in case one was scratched or something wasn't working properly. So we've got quite a few, but um, I wouldn't say I'm a, a huge collector in, in terms of, of variants and whatnot. Well, explain that to me because uh, I, I did see on your posts uh, that you think you recently had uh, might have been a, a story where you or a reel where you were actually talking about the land parties. So I'm not familiar. Explain for people listening what a land party is and how how it organized. So a land party, the easiest way to explain what that is is just imagine you're on your favorite game, Call of Duty, Halo um fortnite whatever it is and everybody that's online in that same game rather than playing in you know your home or wherever everybody's under the same roof so think of it as just uh essentially a convention or a tournament you know everybody's playing under the same roof mm -hmm. they've got their own screens they're doing split screen um whatever works there and they're just playing with uh with and against one another you know internet's not required anything like that and it's just it's it's how gaming used to be before this whole online gaming thing was required i guess across the board it's just it's it's how we used to play games with our friends back in the day and obviously now that it has changed to more of an online would you say that trying to make a land party happen is harder to organize these days or do you find that people are like actually more excited now because of the fact that they'd love to get out and be in person with people rather than online it, it's much more difficult. Um, it's actually the whole online thing is the reason why I had to shut down my business um, when the Xbox One came out. Um, 
because it just it became so much more expensive and so much more complicated to host events when Xbox is required an Xbox Live gamer tag and it had to be hooked up to the internet in order to really do anything. Um, for the longest time, the they advertise them as LAN events, but the only thing that really qualifies as that is the fact that everybody's under the same roof. But when mm -hmm. each console or each unit needs to be hooked up to the internet, has a valid gamer tag and all that, it, it really just uh, makes things much more complicated because you're 100% relying on a solid internet connection and mm -hmm. bandwidth. Whereas back in the original Xbox and Xbox 360 days, all you had to do was connect the, the consoles to one another. So um, as long as there was a solid connection, you never had anything to worry about. And you could connect 50 consoles together. Yep, you could. Yes, yes. You could hook up as many consoles as you want, as long as you have the networking gear and everything. I just think of it as like a college campus and all of the dorm rooms being on the same network. Like you didn't need internet. You just go to System Link and it was like anybody else who was on System Link, you could play, you could play against them or with them. What would be the biggest LAN party the most people you ever had? Personally, the biggest event that we had, we called Camp Nerdtron, and this was the better part of a decade ago, maybe a little longer. Uh, 700 yeah, people, we had over 700 people show up, roughly 300 of which brought their own setups, so PCs, Xboxes, Playstations, GameCubes, all sorts of stuff, and it just, yeah, we had a bunch of little tournaments, and it was it was an all-night thing. It was, it was amazing. It just about broke the venue, but uh, <laughs> it was, without a doubt, one of the best events I've ever had. Wow, I was going to ask, actually, what type of venue do you use for that many people? That uh, specific event was an old bar. Um, it was a two-story, uh, well, I guess you could call it two-story, a main floor and a, a basement. It was about 16,000 square feet, just completely cleared out, and it was just nothing but tables, chairs, and, and video games just linked everywhere. You know, it uh, it wasn't the prettiest thing in the world, but it worked, and everybody <laughs> I'm trying to imagine people at the bar, like with the console on the bar, maybe like a, a screen on the bar. Is that, am I, am I picturing that right? Was it people outside of tables? If you had that many people in different spaces? Uh, yeah. The vast majority of people were were sitting at tables that we set up, just folding tables and, and, and chairs, anything that we could scratch up or, or rent. Um, and the bar itself, we had a couple of setups up there, but um, that specific event, we were actually sponsored by a, a uh, pizza chain called Little Caesars, and we oh, had yeah. 50, 60, 70 some pizzas that we went through that night. I don't know how many cans of Mountain Dew and, and various energy <laughs> drinks, and um, it was kind of just the, hey, you need to take a break. You want to come up here, sit, chat, and yeah, just network meet some new people and just have a good time perfect um segue there mountain dew i was actually one of the things i was thinking about when i was looking through your social media post is that it looks like you've got a lot of the promotional items as well including i i think like a big mountain dew display with uh master chief on it as well are these mm -hmm. uh, the type of items that you love to have in your collection as well rather than obviously just the statues do you look for a lot of those promotional materials Yes, I'm always looking for promotional materials. The the standees, the the cardboard cutouts. Uh, more often than not, I try to find them like new and in, in box because most of those pieces, if they're already assembled, you're gonna have to disassemble them to ship them. And if you try to put them back together, it's gonna be pretty rough. Mm -hmm. um, those those things aren't meant to really be broken down and then put together so, several times over. But yeah, it uh, arguably there's some of the more harder items to find because a lot of stores and and um just any anywhere that get, manages to get their hands on any sort of marketing ends up tossing it 
And even if people ask, they're like, well, we can't because corporate says we got to toss it or whatever it ends up being. So it's, it's yeah, it's uh, any opportunity that um, I have, as long as the, pr the price is, you know, decent, <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best to, to try and pick up. Do you have a grail item for your collection? I mean, you've got so many of these items, you've got nine foot statues, which is, would be a grail for most collectors. But do you have a grail item that's eluded your collection so far? Um, there's a couple of pieces. Um, Sideshow, Sideshow Collectibles, I think it was 2009, came out with uh, some collectible busts of the Master Chief. And then they had these quote unquote limited edition pieces that were a Red Spartan and a Blue Spartan. Um, incredibly hard to find. They only made 250 of each one. And uh, I have yet to acquire the red or the blue one. Anytime they pop up, they usually sell for like two, three, two or three thousand dollars a piece, and they're just they're gone in in the snap of a finger. And it just it's it's almost impossible to track them down. It's it's really frustrating. Wow. Well, I hope you can finally get them and included to the collection. Talking about red versus blue, or well, red and blue, because uh, there was the TV show Red versus Blue. Am I right in, in assuming that that was loosely based on Halo? Yeah, red, the uh, Red vs. Blue series that all took place in Halo. That was a uh, that was a user created series that just kind of started off as just a little project, and it ended up becoming so popular that uh, Rooster Teeth made a huge series of it, and uh, it it became incredibly incredibly popular for a number of years. I do remember watching. I actually had uh, the DVDs that I I got from a sale once, and I thought this looks interesting. And I remember watching them, and I remember them being uh, quite funny, actually. Yeah, they're they're hilarious. I uh, I myself need to actually go back and rewatch them because uh, I stopped watching it about season five or season six, and that was about the same time when they were uh, starting to make the transfer from Halo Two to Halo Three. But I lost track as to how many seasons they they got into before it finally wrapped up. There's there's quite a bit of content there. And talking about TV shows, because as I mentioned earlier, Paramount Plus has their own Halo TV show that came out earlier this year with uh, Pablo Schreiber, um, who some people might know better as Pornstash from Orange is the New Black, or yeah. uh, also uh, I know him as, um, oh, I'm mental blanking on his name now. Um, he He's the leprechaun in uh american gods uh so I, which is one of my favorite books and so when they made a tv series and he was in it i was very happy uh but i, I actually really enjoyed the Paramount plus show and I, i'm looking forward to seeing what they do with season two how about yourself did you enjoy the show what's your feelings on it I, i'm with you and i think we're we're <laughs> the the exceptions here so um <laughs> it's an unpopular opinion but i very much loved the halo tv show um yeah. i know community and a lot of diehard fans were super upset and super angry that it just it wasn't the halo everybody was expecting but when they before, long before the show came out they said that it was going to be a part of the quote-unquote silver silver storyline meaning they weren't going to follow the classic story and the books and the games that we have been growing up with with all these years so mm -hmm. um when the show finally started you know i had an open mind it was something you know expect the unexpected and at the time with all the frustrations with halo infinite and just this desperate desire to get some new halo content i was very excited and very eager to see where the show was going to go and it did not disappoint sure there's a couple of things that i didn't necessarily agree with but overall it was it was a 
it was a blast. I enjoyed every second of it. Well, for me, as someone who's never played Halo before, you know, going into it raw and, and not knowing what to expect, I was quite surprised. I Because we have a look at the, you know, video game movies and everything, you like, you only have to look at things like Resident Evil. Uh, video game movies and series are one of the hardest things to get right. You know, you're always going to have people that are unhappy with the certain direction or it doesn't, you know, follow the letter of the law, like as far mm-hmm. as as far as the backstory of characters and things like that. So I think it's very hard for them to do that. And, and we've seen many, many, many failures over the years of different um, shows uh, and all mostly movies, really. So I was really happy to see that come out and to see the positive reviews that were coming through. I think it's uh, rated as around a seven or higher on IMDb, which is, is not not too bad. Um, and I'm pretty sure they've already had approval for a season two as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing where they take that uh, because I thought it, the pacing of it was really good as well. Yeah, I believe they actually, uh, they've actually started filming season two. Uh, Pablo Shribner has been sharing some behind the scenes stuff on his, his Instagram stories the last, uh, last month or two now, but um, yeah, they're, they're very much uh, in the process of, of filming season two. No, no word as to when, that's actually going to premiere, but they're they're shooting right now. What about? Uh, I'm just actually thinking about uh, an item that could be another Grail item that you you probably have already thought about. What about trying to get some sort of screen news props or or a costume from from the series? Is that something you'd you'd love to have? Yeah, that would be a fantastic thing. You know, they um, there's been a few opportunities over the years to own a couple of pieces from live action trailers like back uh, Halo 3, 2006, 2007, there were a number of live action commercials and there was a huge diorama. I don't know if you ever saw the Believe diorama. It was um, this dramatic scene of all these these Covenant forces and UNSC Marines just duking it out. And then there's this brute up on top of a hill holding Master Chief and that's where he activates this the blue sticky grenade and his head comes up. Um, that was a huge diorama that they set up in a warehouse and between a couple of pieces from that and some of the rifles that they used in the live action series i did have an opportunity to pick them up the unfortunate part about that was that there was no sort of letter of authenticity or anything like that it was just me Um, having the word for it so it was like I want to believe you, but the Halo community also has a massive fan base in terms of cosplayers and and prop builders. So it's like, I don't know if it's a legit piece without something stating that it is, or if it's just a really talented prop builder trying to to pitch me the the latest, you know, weapon prop or whatever. And what about cosplaying? Is that something you've ever done? Do you have your own outfit as well that you may have used? I mean, we've just passed Halloween. Maybe you had a Halloween outfit one year or... I, I did have a suit. Um, I no longer fit in said suit. Uh, it was the better part of a, a decade ago also. I had one custom made here in town, but um, haven't cosplayed too much. But when I did have that suit, it was more than a few times. Any any excuse that I had to just go out and walk around as the Master Chief for a little while. It's, <laughs> it's always a lot of fun. makes a lot of people smile. Is that a con? Is that like conventions and things? Do you do you go to a lot of gaming conventions? Conventions. I used to go to conventions. Unfortunately, because of COVID and and how the world currently is, um, yeah. I haven't been in the last three years. But um, yeah, we used to go to conventions and stuff all the time. Uh, convention, gaming conventions, anime conventions, um, 
a random appearance at a tournament or a, a LAN event somewhere. Just like I said, any excuse to dress up as Chief and walk around for a bit. What was your favorite convention or experience? Ooh, um, either PAX West, and that was uh, Penny Arcade Expo. It's a, a video game slash tabletop convention in Seattle, um, either 2016, I think it was, because that was actually one of the first times I had met my wife, because we were in a long-distance relationship for the longest time. I think that was the second time we'd ever met um, the Master Chief Collection, which is the um they did a like a remastered anniversary sort of thing for many of the old halo games they were bringing them all together on one so the halo was a had a big appearance there that year between that and going to new york city for toy fair um that was two was that 2020 i think that was 2020 that was where we got to give the world premiere thanks to jazzwares we got to give the world premiere of the upcoming um halo toys and collectibles that they've been working on um that was the first time Jazzwares had got the licensing rights. And I think it was uh, Jack Specific that had it up to that point, but they decided to move on to something else. And we were the first to, to show the world those photos. And that was that was a tremendous experience. Cool. And your wife, you mentioned about the long distance relationship and meeting at the PAX. Is, is she a gamer as well? Was that how you met? Was through gaming? Yeah, believe it or not, we actually met through Halo, uh, Halo Reach. She, at the time, was running a big Facebook group called Chicks Who Play Halo. And she had a couple of times a week where she would have these get-togethers where she was just playing with her fans and just having a good time. And I joined up one night, and it ended up dwindling down to just me and her late one night. And before I knew it, we stayed up all night just talking and playing Halo. And uh, from that point on, we just uh, just really hit it off. And if I was to ask her or ask someone other than you or her, like an impartial judge, who would they say is the best Halo player? She, she, it, it's her. She, <laughs> she'll, she'll deny it left. She'll, she'll deny it all day, but uh, without a doubt, she's, she's the better Halo player. She's, she's a much more competitive person than I am. I'm very laid back and, and I can be competitive every now and then, but it's, yeah, she, she could kick my butt any day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's obviously good, you know, meeting through Halo and her running a Facebook group, but now you being a Halo collector, you know, she can support that hobby, obviously, um, and and knows your passion because uh, I think that's sometimes hard, hardest thing for some collectors is just getting their partner to maybe understand their obsession with their, with their passion, like, like, like the obsession with the thing that they're passionate about, and their collecting passion as well, um, because that can sometimes be an uphill battle, uh, especially when it comes to, you know, forking out certain amounts of money. Obviously, not forty thousand dollars for an item, but you know, when you when you're sort of trying to say this item is valued at this, and if your partner isn't familiar with that, they might be like, no, that's just a toy. It's not worth that much. Whereas your wife might be like, yeah, buy it, pull the trigger, go. Very, very, very much so. Yeah, you know, we uh, we met through Halo, but she's uh, she's definitely as much of a collector and a, a geek as I am. Um, she loves Harry Potter. She's into a number of different book series, and um, Stranger Things has been one of her recent uh, favorites as well. So outside of Halo, we uh, we've got a pretty substantial Funko Pop collection. Um, she loves picking up the the various Halo or excuse me the uh, Harry Potter Lego sets. So mm -hmm. it's um. As long as we're not putting ourselves in a tight bind, it's like I'll come to her with something and, and vice versa. So it's like, yeah, we uh, 
we try to keep each other in check, but we're very much, uh, we love collecting and it's, it's something that, um, we're, we're very passionate about. And your family, are they understanding they come around as well and they see all these fandoms and things they, they know that that that's Tom. For, for the most part, my parents are, are pretty old school. My my mom loves to be, to be a part of things. Um, and that goes all the way back to when we started collecting Pokemon cards for the very first time. Um, she knew before, even before I did that, back when they, they first came out, that Charizard was the card to have. And uh, the first time I pulled a, a Charizard out of a pack, she freaked out as much as I did. Like she pulled over to the side of the road and she actually had to come in the back seat and like see it for herself. And um <laughs> She's geeked out about it just as much as I have. And, and my father's supportive. He he may not understand it quite to the, the same degree, but um, he uh, he supports it nonetheless. He's I, I love him. That's that's all you can ask for is just a, that sport. That's really cool. Last question, actually, before before we wrap this up, though, you mentioned I want to go back to, to your father, uh, you know, the military thing and living in South Korea. Do you have certain items in your collection that, mean a lot to you because you may have acquired them while you were there or what was your time like living there and and, and gaming in in south korea specifically yeah that um that was the only time that i actually spent any time outside of the united states um the one station that my father had i mean he's been all over the world but um between me and my sisters that was the only time we were overseas that had to have been the best two years growing up um between gaming the culture i took taekwondo for two years and uh my instructor was uh i wish i knew his full name but i just knew him as instructor as as uh, master moon who was actually the same instructor taekwondo instructor for chuck norris um which was pretty incredible and uh funny enough now that we're talking about it um there was an article that came up that was uh shared with me about a year ago but that same instructor is still at that Air Force Base to this day, still teaching. He's like 102, 103 years old, and he's still teaching. Wow. Um, but yeah, it, uh, it, it was arguably two of the best years of, of my entire childhood. Like we, we all enjoyed it every second of it. It was, it was a blast. I, I really hope to, to go back at some point to, to Korea, and I would love to go to Japan and spend some time over there too. Yeah, I've been to Japan and I absolutely loved it. I definitely would encourage you to take some time to go there if you can. Absolutely. Tom, thank you very much for being on the show. I think we'll wrap it up there. Um, before I let you go, I always get people to plug their socials. Uh, where can they come and find more of your Halo collection and, and follow your gaming ex excapades? Uh, Instagram, Facebook, just, I, I think just about every social media platform, just the legendary one, one seven. Um, I stream on Twitch Monday through Friday from 9am to 1pm central standard time. Um, I always encourage people to join in despite, you know, you could be the best player in the world, worst player, first time player, all skill levels are welcome. We're super laid back. We're always networking, trying to help each other out and just have a good time, just distract one another and just help each other out through all the stress and, and shenanigans going on in the world we just little little beacon of hope and positivity and just have a good time i love that i love that everyone should be welcome in all fandoms that, that's awesome thank you tom for your time i've had a great time chatting to you and learning more about your collection and and uh maybe one day i can i can have a nine foot batman in the background of my collection that would be amazing yes that would be absolutely amazing i hope to see it one of these days <laughs> thank you thank you have a good one if you like the episode, 
please consider following or subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also join me on Instagram at Collecting Heroes, where you can see photos of the collections of the people that I'm talking to, as well as some of my own.